my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we're talking about Bitcoin each and every week. Of course, we're talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the decentralized revolution that we're living through, that we're witnessing right now, it's pretty exciting. If you step back and just just admire that we are literally witnessing history being written, we're seeing one of the biggest technological revolutions that we will ever witness, that we've ever witnessed. And like I said, the, the future of humanity is going to be changed. Now, I don't say that lightly. As a matter of fact, I was just a guest on one of the biggest uh, Bitcoin podcasts uh, in, in, out there. It's called What Bitcoin Did. And I laid down a thesis in about two, two and a half hours, which is a lot more than I can do with you on my radio here. And I laid out what I'm calling is the battle for the fate of humanity. Wow, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? And, and I don't mean that in a hyperbole way. I mean that legitimately. I think that's really where we're at. And I think Bitcoin is the tool that allows us to win that battle for the fate of humanity. Again, it's a long interview. It's more than I can go over here. But if you just do a quick Google search, Mark Moss, Battle for the Fate, Fate of Humanity, what Bitcoin did, you will find that interview. But I'm trying to fill you in bit by bit each and every week. I want this to be the most important, the most profitable point of your week. So make sure to uh, set, a, set a calendar reminder on your phone right now for this channel this time and join me. Now, 
<laughs> after I just tell you how big that is, then I'm going to go backwards a little bit. And I'm going to tell you about the price. Now, I, I say that reluctantly because I do believe the price is a short-term distraction. The price is a short-term distraction. I think it's also what I call the bait and switch. People get sucked in um, for the price, and then they stay for everything else that it brings. But let's talk about the price for a minute because it's all over the news this week because the price of Bitcoin crashed. It crashed this week all the way down to the price that it was in October. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. <laughs> of course, I'm saying that sarcastically. So we're all the way back to where we were about October 4th, uh, which is about two months of gains that we kind of wiped off the plate, which sounds bad at first. But if we want to put that into perspective, uh, March of last year, we were at about $3,500. And today we're sitting about $48,000. So still looking pretty good. But it doesn't really tell the whole picture. What really tells a more accurate picture is when you look at it, you know, over this longer term time frame. And so I think if I explain this to you, it gives you a little bit of perspective. And so we were at, you know, as low as like $3,500. Now we're at $48,000. But the perspective is that it ran from that $3,500 $3, low up to about $64,000 in um, April of this year. And that was a pretty dramatic run. Now, it didn't go up in a straight line, as a matter of fact. Um, it ran pretty hot and heavy. Um, in January, the price dropped about 28%. Um, then we saw, you know, run pretty hot and heavy again until February. And then the price dropped another 24%. And then it ran pretty hot and heavy till the next month, March, where it dropped another uh, 18%. And then it ran pretty hot and heavy till the next month, where it dropped. 27%. <laughs> Are you getting the idea every month? And then it ran pretty hot and heavy till the next month, May 11th, where it then dropped 48%. Wah, wah. So it got up to that high of about 64,000. And then it dropped all the way down 48% all the way down to about $30,000. And then for about two, about two and a half months, it sat in what we call a range. And basically this range where it just basically moved around 30, you know, $35,000 for like two months straight. So it went as high up as 64,000 all the way down to 30, 35,000 and just stayed in that 30 to 35,000 range for two months. And then it took off again. When things build up, uh, when, when things consolidate, they start to build up energy and it builds for the next blast off. So it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like if you went out to like, uh, to go, to go exercise, hopefully you're doing that. If you went out to exercise and you went to go walk and, uh, if you're walking, you could probably walk for a really long time. Right. But let's say that you ran, let's say that you, um, ran at, at, at 50% of your max. Well, you could still run pretty far, but eventually you have to take a break. Well, let's say that you sprinted. Let's say that you did an all-out sprint as fast as you could possibly go. Well, you couldn't run as far, and then you'd have to take a break. You have to take a break, and you have to catch your breath before you could run again. And that's kind of like the markets. When the markets go up at a very slow pace, they can do that for a long period of time. But when they run super fast and super hard, then they have to, they have to catch their breath. And that's kind of what happened. So then, um, we saw it was, uh, end of July, July 31st, um, it started taking off again and it went from, um, from about 30,000 and, um, at, at, at the end of July, about 30,000 in July, all the way to 69,000 about two, well, November 12th. 
that was a pretty good run. Now, of course, it, it had some pullback. So we saw um, se- September 6th, it pulled back 24% and then kept going. Um, you know, and, and we saw lots of those pullbacks. We saw October 19th, it pulled back another 15%, but it got up to a $69,000 high and now it's pulling back. But the, what's interesting this time is now it looks like it's consolidating around the $50,000 range. So a couple months ago, it consolidated at 30. So a year and a half ago, it was 3,000, ran to 64. Then it consolidated around a $30,000 level. That's pretty good. Then from 30, it blasted up to 69, and it pulled back, and now it looks like it's consolidating around a $50,000 level. But you see it's the lower, or I'm sorry, the higher lows, the higher lows. That's what we're looking at. If you look at Bitcoin on a zoomed-out chart, you'll see that every year since the beginning for the last 12 years, the lowest point of every year, the lowest price of every single year has always been higher, except for one year, 2015. And so that's what we're looking for, lower uh, or higher lows. And that's what we're doing. So anyway, you know, it's down a little bit, um, but it looks like it's building up steam. As a matter of fact, I was in Miami all last week doing a bunch of meetings and recording that show I was just talking about. And I was um, blessed to get to go to Michael Saylor's house. I went to Michael Saylor's house for a barbecue, and it was pretty amazing. If, uh, if you guys have been following Bitcoin, then, of course, he probably doesn't need any introduction. If you do need an introduction, he's probably one of the smartest guys um, in the Bitcoin space. He's a MIT, um, literally an MIT rocket scientist. Um, <laughs> he owns more Bitcoin than any other person out there, and he continues to buy. And I had a guy to hang out at a barbecue at his house. It's pretty cool. And we were talking about this specifically, and he basically said the exact same thing I'm telling you right now, which is it looks like Bitcoin has just pulled back. It looks like it's just building up some uh, momentum, some some uh, energy, and I expect it to blast off again. And so, um, you know, he's not on the radio talking to you, but I'm able to interpret that for you. So that's kind of where we're at with the price. But remember, the price is a short-term distraction. What we're really looking for is two things. One, the growth of the network. Is the network growing? And two, is the development on the network growing? Those are the two main things that we need to be watching out for. And as long as those two things are going good, then the price will take care of itself. So let's talk about those two things because there has been some massive, massive, massive moves this week that I want to explain to you. Now, talking about Michael Saylor real quickly, back to him, for example, um, this morning he posted on Twitter that he, MicroStrategy, his company, purchased an additional 1,434 Bitcoins for $82 million in cash at an average price of $57,000 per Bitcoin. What? That was as of 12 21 They hold over 122,000 Bitcoin. Now, you might think that Bitcoin is a scam. You might think the price of Bitcoin is too expensive. But I would just ask you to check yourself. Are you smarter than Michael Saylor? Because I know a lot about Bitcoin. I know a lot about economics. I know a lot about technology. But there's no way I'm putting myself smarter than him. And he's buying at these prices. So uh, I was at his house. I had a barbecue. I told you what he said. And this is what he posted this morning. He just bought another... Uh, $82 million worth of Bitcoin. But again, the price is a distraction. We want to look at the network growth and development, and there's been big developments on both those fronts this week I want to talk to you about. By the way, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrency. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. I want to tell you about why they're growing as fast as they are, what's happening, 
So don't go away. I'm going to be right back. All right. Welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, where we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies, and we are talking about the decentralized revolution. Of course, each and every week, I'm bringing you the latest information so you can participate, so you don't get left out on what I'm calling the biggest opportunity that you'll ever see in your lifetime, in multiple lifetimes. Now, before the break, we were talking about the price. Um, the price has created all the way back down to where it was in October. Wham, wham. Um, but but it's it's consolidating at about a $50,000 range where a few months ago it consolidated at a $30,000 range. That's a pretty big difference. Um, I'm pretty happy to see it consolidating at the 50000 range. Um, and so that's that's one piece of it. But again, it's the development, the, the network growth and development that we want to be watching. And so there's a lot of things that are happening on that front. Now, when I when we go and look at back how I, I talked about how it, it, it did get up to 65000 and crashed all the way down to that $30,000 range, one of the biggest reasons why that happened is that China kicked all the Bitcoin miners out of their out of their country. Now, uh, that was one of the big things that people would criticize Bitcoin for. Is that eh, well? You know, oh, China controls all the mining. China could take over the network if they wanted. And you know, there was a little bit of truth to that. I mean, China did control over. Over 50%, maybe up about 60% of all the Bitcoin mining. And the way that this works is that the miners have to achieve consensus. So you need over 51% of the network to agree to achieve consensus. Um, and so if, if potentially 60% of the miners were situated in China, um, that was a weak point. Now, the reality is it's not the miners that control the network, it's the nodes. However, it, it, you know, it still was somewhat true. Um, but earlier this year, China kicked all the Bitcoin miners out of their country. So we don't want you here anymore. Now, I made a video on my YouTube channel called China's Second Fatal Mistake. I go about, it's about a 25 minute video. I talk about why I think this is their second fatal mistake. Maybe I can explain it to you on the radio at another time. Of course, you can go watch that video on my YouTube channel, just Mark Moss and uh, China's Second Fatal Mistake. But they kicked all the miners out. And basically, it was the biggest attack that the Bitcoin network might have ever seen, where literally over half of the network was turned off almost overnight. Like literally it was a 51% it was, it was attack. It was exactly what people's worst fear was happened. And, and China attacked the network, shut all the miners down and kicked them out of the country. Now, the way that this works is that you buy a, a, a specially built purpose computer that um, puts its processing power, its hash power onto the network and helps secure it. Right? And that's called hash power. Right? That's the power of the network. And it's measured in uh, equahash. Equa right? uh, I'm not going to get deep into the technical side, but that's, that's how it's measured. And we saw that um, it was at about 175 equahash. That's how, that's how many computers were plugged into the network and were processing transactions at the time. Well, when China shut all their network down, we saw the, the, the network, the hash rate drop all the way down to 84, 84 equahash. So about, about in half. Now, the Bitcoin network didn't skip a beat. As a matter of fact, it continued to pump out a block by block by block every 10 minutes. Now, you know, some of the some of the transactions slowed down a little bit. Maybe you paid a little bit more for a transaction, but it continued to work over and over and over. However, imagine if a big network like 
Amazon, for example, if half their distribution were shut off overnight, how long would it take them to pick up all their distribution centers, move them across the world, set back up? What type of disruption would happen to the Amazon network? I mean, it'd be catastrophic, right? Well, the Bitcoin network didn't skip a beat. And as a matter of fact, not only did it not skip a beat, it's now back up over where it was pre-China crackdown. So now we've seen all the hash power coming back as a matter of fact, it's increased by 108% since June. And, then, and the Bitcoin Networks is, is now performing the seven-day ruling average of back to 178 Equihash as of Wednesday. So it's right there where it was. Um, and I think that is a testament. I mean, it's one of the strongest examples that we can see of the resiliency of the Bitcoin network. So a lot of people can tell you whatever they want about any of the other cryptocurrencies, but none of them have been tested ever like what the Bitcoin network has done over and over and over. So it was the worst attack that you could ever see happen. And and uh, and it hurt the network. Like I said, it, it caused the hash rate, the, the processing power to drop almost in half. But as of this week, it is back, baby. It's back. And so... Um, that's what I'm talking about. Is the network growing? Yes. We got more miners to come on board with more computers, with more hash power, and we're bigger and stronger than we were before. The network is continuing to grow. It's awesome. So that's, that's one big piece that we want to look at. Another big piece that we want to look at is the development on the network. What's happening on the development side? And there's always big stuff happening there as well. So one of the big things that we see is uh, a lot of people talk about well, when is cryptocurrency going to have more adoption or, um, you know, cryptocurrency won't take off until it's easier to spend, right? Um, I need, it needs to be easier to make transactions or uh, when can I go to my store? When can I go down to the store and spend my cryptocurrency? I hear these things all the time, right? Well, those days are coming and they're coming fast and furious. As a matter of fact, we saw this week Coinbase announced. So Coinbase is probably, I think it's the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world. It's a publicly traded company. Um, they announced support for hardware wallets starting with Ledger. So this is pretty cool. Now, if you've been tuning in each and every week, you hear me talk about security and securing your Bitcoin, securing your cryptocurrency. Now, the oldest problem that mankind has had since the beginning of time, the oldest problem in the world is how do I secure my property in a way that can't be stolen? Well, Bitcoin fixed that problem because now I can store my own wealth. I can control my Bitcoin. I can store my keys in a way that's cryptographically secured and nobody can take from me. But when I put them onto an exchange like Coinbase or any of these other ones, I'm losing custody of my coins. I'm giving them to Coinbase, and that creates something called counterparty risk. When I give it to them, I might not get it back. Well, that's a problem. So I don't like to put my money onto exchanges. I've told you some of my, <laughs> some of my losses, and some of my losses involve putting my money onto exchanges and not being able to get it back off again. It's a big risk. It happens to me, I've lost a lot of money. I'll tell you more about that story when my court case gets finished up here in a couple of weeks. Um, that's a big problem. And we saw this week that Coinbase announced that it's going to support crypto hardware wallets starting with Ledger. All right. This is a really big deal that's going to continue to build the ecosystem. But then there's even bigger news, even bigger news that's going to help with this problem, like I said, of 
well, can I go to a store and buy things with my crypto? Who even takes crypto, right? Well, that got solved as well. So I want to tell you about that as well. Remember, we don't want to watch the price on a regular basis. We want to look at the price on a very zoomed out basis. What we do want to watch for on a regular basis is the growth of the network and the development on the network. And I talked about the hash rate coming back. And now these two new things that Coinbase rolled out, I think is going to exponentially increase the market share of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So I want to tell you about those two, two things. By the way, um, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. And of course, we're, <laughs> if you're just tuning in, we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that we are living through, that we're witnessing right now. Um, but we're talking about the growth of the network and how fast these are growing, and how fast they're going to be changing the world, how fast adoption will come. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print, or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. Now, before the break, we were talking about kind of what I always talk about, which is stop looking at the price every day. <laughs> uh, anybody that's looking at any investment, I don't care what investment it is. If you're looking at it on a daily or a weekly or a monthly basis, you're never going to make it. Now, I mean, unless you're a day trader, which I don't recommend, but, you know, assets, especially ones that are, are revolutionary, that are new, that are life-changing, they take time to develop, and so you have to give them time. So we don't want to look at the price on a regular basis. What we do want to be watching out for is the news. We do want to be looking at the growth of the network and the development on the network. Now, I was talking about how um, the Bitcoin price, even though it's a distraction, is continuing to go higher, even though it's down a little bit today, it's down at a higher level than it was down a few months ago. So that's, that's called higher lows. That's a good thing. But I was talking about, then I was talking about how the hash rate for the Bitcoin network has gotten back to its previous high before the China ban. That's super, super bullish. But I was talking about um, Coinbase, which is the largest exchange, the publicly traded company. And now they want to support crypto hardware wallets. So a hardware wallet is a device that's like, like a little USB drive. Trezor, or this one specifically that they started working with is called Ledger. So it's a little hardware wallet like a little USB device. And what it does is it stores my private key. And basically the way that cryptocurrencies work is that I could have, there's two addresses. There's imagine like uh, at high school, um, you have a locker and that locker is like C19. And I'm like, Hey, my, my locker C19, go put this envelope in there. So that's my public address. And you, anybody can go put something in my, my locker, but I hold the private key to open that locker. And that's how cryptocurrencies work. So I have a public address. Anybody can have my public address. Anybody can send me money. But I hold my private key that allows me to open that locker and transfer that money if I want to. And so if I have my money on an exchange like Coinbase, then they hold my private key. But if I use a wallet like Ledger, then I hold my private key. And I like to use it in a hardware wallet like Ledger because that private key never goes on to an internet-connected device. It's on this little USB device. I plug it into my computer to sign the transaction, to unlock it, and then I unplug it. So it's never sitting on the computer. But the problem with Coinbase is, or any exchange, is when I give them, when I, when I put my, my, uh, my assets on there, I'm giving them my key, and there's a chance I don't get them back. Well, Coinbase now has an extension that allows me to connect my Ledger hardware wallet. So it allows me to maintain self-custody, allows me to keep full control over my assets, but still be able to exchange them if I want to. And that is pretty massive. Now, uh, as I was saying before, the, 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 the oldest problem that mankind has had since the beginning of time is how do I secure my assets in a way that don't that, that can't be stolen, and that's what cryptocurrency, that's what Bitcoin solves. But again, every time I put them onto an exchange, I lose that. Um, and so now this is a way where I can hold my own private key. Um, I can still exchange that I have to put it on there, and that is pretty amazing. That's the development that we're talking about. Now, this is scheduled to be rolled out in the first quarter of 2022, so don't log into your Coinbase account when, you, when you're listening to me right now and expect to have it in there. Um, but again... We're trying to pay attention to the development that's going on, and this is massive development. Um, Coinbase claims to have over 73 million customers globally, over 10,000 institutions, over 185,000 application developers. And every time I have to transfer my funds on or off of Bitcoin or any exchange for that matter, there's risk. I could put the number in wrong, a hacker could get it, something could happen. 
And if I never have to give up my private key, I can hold it. It's pretty amazing. It's a really, really big step for someone like Coinbase to roll out. I'm super bullish on it. But that is not all. That's not all. There's something even more. By the way, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about how the two most important things to watch out for when you're listening to the, um, when you're paying attention to Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies is the growth of the network, the users, and the development that's happening. And so that's what we're talking about right now. And on top of the Coinbase and the Ledger news, there's something even bigger. And as I was saying earlier, one of the big things that we hear is, when is mass adoption going to come? Like, you still can't use cryptocurrencies to buy anything, you know, all these things. As a matter of fact, uh, Christine Lagarde, she's uh, used to be head of the, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. Now she's head of the ECB, the European Central Bank. She went on the news a, a week, week or two ago, and she said, cryptocurrencies are not a currency full stop <laughs> like okay like so full stop so that means like what does that mean full stop so that means that i can't come back with a response <laughs> i got i'm not is that, is that like a mic drop or whatever anyway that's what she said cryptocurrencies are not a currency full stop well currency is technically anything that can be used as a medium of exchange <laughs> a, a currency could be anything that could be used as a medium of exchange and you and I, if we're trading goods and services, we can decide what we want as a medium of exchange. It's not for her to tell us. It's not for anyone to tell us. You and I, if we're doing an exchange, we decide what the medium of exchange is. So she said it's not a medium of exchange. It's not a currency. Well, she's wrong because new news came out this week. Ledger, talking about Ledger still, they have debuted a new debit card that enables users to buy goods and services with their digital assets. What? You mean Christine Lagarde is wrong? It, is, it can be used as a currency? That's what I'm saying. This potentially opens the doors to wider adoption of crypto payment services. All right, they're calling this the crypto life card. And it was introduced at Ledger's um, meeting this week and basically, when you use this Ledger hardware wallet, so again, right, I, this hardware wallet stores my key, and I have like this interface um, that I use it with, and the debit card is linked to this interface. It's a, like a desktop or mobile application. And then it allows me to use this, this wallet and this interface to buy um, or, or swap out different cryptocurrencies. And then the card, um, this, this debit card supports, you know, it works in that ecosystem and it supports um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some stable coins, all right? And the cardholders, anyone that has the card has the option of instantly converting their cryptocurrency into fiat for the purpose of spending it, as well as obtaining a line of credit using your digital assets as collateral. So you can keep your Bitcoin, and then if you want to make a purchase, at the point of purchase, it can automatically convert it into fiat for me, and then it can do that. Also, if I don't want to sell my Bitcoin, if I don't want to convert it over, it will instantly give me a loan against my Bitcoin Ethereum as collateral, which is pretty cool. So basically, um, I can just use my debit card anywhere I want. And on top of that, I can deposit my paycheck into this, and then I can select which percentage of my income I want converted into Bitcoin, Ethereum, or stable coins. So I can have my paycheck directly deposited in there, and I say, I want 50% in Bitcoin, I want 10% in Ethereum, and the rest I want in stable coin or whatever. And it can automatically do that. So my 
my, my um, I'm getting paid in Bitcoin that way in direct deposit. And then I have a debit card hooked to that. And then I can spend off of my Bitcoin on my stable coin, or I don't have to spend my Bitcoin. I can just borrow against my Bitcoin to spend right on that. So that means I can go to any store, anywhere that the Visa card has accepted, which is pretty much everywhere in the world. And I can spend directly from my Bitcoin. So wait, wait, Christine Lagarde says it's not a currency. Well, <laughs> I sure as heck can use it now for buying anything I want. So all those people that are telling you it's never going to achieve any market penetration, never going to achieve adoption because you can't go buy stuff with it. Well, they're wrong. Um, this card is set to launch in the first quarter of 2022. Uh, so if you're in the United States, um, actually that's going out to the UK, France, and Germany first, and then it's going to have a second quarter rollout in the United States. Um, so look for it uh, second quarter of next year in the United States. But there's there's this is just from Ledger. There's plenty of other ones that are available. This is not the this is not the only one that's available. It was just big news that was out this week that I thought we would talk about because remember the two most important things to pay attention to are the growth of the network, how many users are using it, and the development. And I think this handles both of those at the exact same time. Um, these payments are going to be a huge use case. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about this decentralized revolution. We're literally witnessing history being made right now. I'm here with you each and every week, giving you the news that you need to survive. And I have more coming up right away, so don't go away. All right, everyone. Welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that we're all living through, that we're all witnessing in real time. It's the biggest opportunity that you'll ever have in your lifetime. It's the biggest opportunity that you'll have in multiple lifetimes. And the way that you participate in these opportunities is by having information that most people don't have, which is what I'm trying to bring to you each and every week. I'm trying to give you the education that you need to learn how to navigate. I'm trying to give you the news that you need to stay on top of it. And of course, I'm trying to make it fun. I'm trying to make it entertaining. I'm trying to bring you some of the best guests, some of the best experts in the world to give you even more perspective. And, you know, so you don't get bored of hearing my voice all the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, we've been talking about the growth of the network, the development on the network, and some things that have been happening. Um, we talked about that before the break. We talked about how we're about to see some massive adoption. We're, one of the biggest things, the biggest objections that people uh, have to say is that, um, you know, you can't use Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. I can't use it to buy anything. No stores take it, blah, 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 blah. Well, um, what I was talking about before the break is how um, a new debit card is coming out where I can, I can choose to have my paycheck deposited, directly deposited into my crypto account. I can decide how much I want to go into Bitcoin, how much into Ethereum, how much into stablecoin, et cetera. And then I can use my Visa debit card anywhere that Visa is accepted and spend right off my cryptocurrencies. And so that big objection that everybody says, that's gone. And I think this is going to be huge for the adoption of the space, which is pretty cool. Now, there is one big problem with this, which you don't hear talked about very often, but I'm always going to give it to you straight here. And that is that uh, people say that, oh, yeah, the government's just going to regulate cryptocurrencies. And uh, my response to that is, yeah, they are. As a matter of fact, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin is the most regulated asset there is already. It's already, all right? Um, the IRS ruled in 2013 that Bitcoin is considered property and that they tax it like property. So that means that the, that means that the IRS taxes Bitcoin directly like they would tax 
stocks or gold or real estate or anything else like that. Um, and so they're already regulating it. And so the problem with spending your cryptocurrency, your Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency is that because it's property, anytime you sell that um, cryptocurrency, it's a taxable event. And so if you're gonna go buy a cup of coffee for two bucks or five bucks or however much that latte costs these days, that's a taxable event. And do you really wanna go create all these little taxable events for all these little micro purchases and then have to deal with all that paperwork and have your accountant deal with all that? For me, I say no. So while it's cool that I can go spend my crypto on anything that I want, um, I don't really want to do that. I think, I think uh, for me, I like to spend my fiat and then I'll save uh, my cryptocurrency. So that's kind of the way that I focus on that. Um, and some other big news that happened this week that I think is important. I've been, I've been uh, hit up a bunch on this information, so I thought I'd talk about it real quickly. Is that you know there's this mysterious inventor of cryptocurrency. And a lot of people don't know who it is. Who is the inventor of Bitcoin? And they say, you know, who is this Satoshi Nakamoto? And until we can figure out who this Satoshi guy is, I can't trust it. And to that, I would say, well, can you tell me who the developer of the TCP IP protocol is that the entire internet's built off of? Can you tell me the name of the top two engineers that worked on the Google search engine that you use every day? <laughs> and of course, can you tell me who invented, you know, and whatever. And of course the answer is no. And so I would say to that, it, it doesn't really matter. But there's somebody uh, by the name of Craig Wright, who I hate to even mention because he's such a scammer and a fraudster, but he's been going around telling everybody, he's Satoshi Nakamoto. He is the rightful owner of Bitcoin and um, all these things, right? And um, it's pretty ridiculous in my mind. Um, if you look at all the things that Satoshi Nakamoto said, so... Um, there was tons of message boards and, and things. There's actually something called the Book of Satoshi where they've collected all the um, contributions to the message boards that he made and all these things, and they put it into a book. And if you look at the things that he said, the things that he did, um, and now you look at this guy, Craig Wright, they're clearly not the same person. Satoshi Nakamoto created the greatest um, technological achievement in the history of the world that's created a massive amounts of wealth and gave it away for free. Gave it away for free. This guy is trying to claim that he is that guy and, uh, and take it over and take control over it. So Satoshi Nakamoto created something open, decentralized, something that nobody can control and gave it away for free. This guy is trying to pretend that he owns it and he wants to take it over and control it. Uh, I, I think that pretty much goes against everything that it was started for. Um, but this week, and the reason why I bring it up is this week there was a big case in Florida where um, basically – um, this guy, Craig Wright, and he had another partner, and Dave Kleiman, and uh, Dave Kleiman is, is, is now deceased, but his family was going after Craig Wright and saying that Craig Wright um, owes him a bunch of money, that he never paid him, and this and that. And uh, Craig Wright is like, no, that's not true, and sitting with this, this big battle. So Craig Wright is fighting a bunch of lawsuits all over the place. He's, he's fighting lawsuits. Um, and I think at the end of the day, in my opinion, the reason why he's doing this is that Bitcoin, I talked about this before, but Bitcoin was forked in 2017. And so they made a copy of the database and they created Bitcoin Cash. And if, if when Bitcoin was forked into Bitcoin Cash, anybody that owned Bitcoin now owned one Bitcoin and one Bitcoin Cash token. And then when Bitcoin Cash was forked eventually to Bitcoin SV, anyone who owned one Bitcoin Cash got one Bitcoin SV. Well, Craig Wright was one of the founders of Bitcoin SV. And the original tokens that were locked up from Satoshi Nakamoto that are worth hundreds of billions of dollars, um, 
that those tokens have never been used. Those tokens have never been moved because Satoshi is, is gone. He's disappeared. Nobody has access to that. Those keys are lost. And so, of course, everybody says, hey, Craig Wright, if you're really Satoshi Nakamoto, then where's your keys? Sign a transaction. Prove that you, prove that you, prove that you are him. If, if you're really him, then you can sign the transaction, right? Prove it. And, of course, he can't do that. But I think what happens is um, I talked about in a previous episode how these smaller chains, smaller blockchains, they can be easily taken over if you just get enough hash power. And when you take over the um, network, take over the blockchain, you can roll back transactions. And I think what he's trying to do, and this is shout out to uh, Stacy Herbert uh, from uh, from uh, Orange Pill Pod with Max Kaiser. She's the one that gave me this thesis, but I agree with her. And I think what's happening is if he can prove that he is actually or if a court would uh, say that he is, is Satoshi Nakamoto, um, then he might have the legal grounds to roll back the Bitcoin SV chain. So the Bitcoin SV chain is so small that with just a little bit of hash power, you can roll it backwards. And he could gain access to all those coins that were created because of the fork of the fork. Now, if he did that now without any legal precedent, without the courts agreeing to that, of course, anybody that holds Bitcoin SV is going to sue him to eternity. But if he can get the courts to agree, oh, yeah, I think, yeah, you probably are Satoshi Nakamoto, then he could prove a legal claim as to why he should be allowed to do that, and then he could get access to all those tokens, which could be billions of dollars. I think that's his master plan. But anyway, back to the story at hand. So this week, um, this, this, this went to court, and uh, in Florida, the judge declared that, uh, um, no, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't win this case. The case didn't question, didn't even consider the question of Satoshi's real identity, and the plaintiff Ira Kleiman um, was suing on behalf of the brother Dave Kleiman, and um, basically said that um, the court said no, right? You're a fraud, and as a matter of fact, you owe Kleiman now a hundred million dollars. Um, you know, for all the problems that you've caused for them. So the judge actually ruled that this guy, Craig Wright, owes the Kleiman family $100 million. And now Satoshi Nakamoto, or I'm sorry, uh, Craig Wright, pretending to be Satoshi, is now coming out saying, this was a big success for me. Um, this was great. Um, wait a minute, didn't you just get ordered to pay $100 million? But he says, no, this is great because uh, they didn't say that I wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto. So his, uh, his scam continues on. Um, I bring this to light only because people have asked me about it. I just want you to be aware that this is just a big scam, and I, and I would ignore it from that point forward. Um, so that's the news that we have for the week. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. Um, I'm here with you each and every week. Thanks so much for listening. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.